page 119, if you look at this, you think about this. Now, I want to, before we get into this, I think three years ago, maybe four years ago, um, I was doing the study through the Word of God just like we do as a church every year, and I wanted something a little bit different, and I studied R.A. Torrey and how R.A. Torrey studied the Bible. R.A. Torrey didn't go through the Bible systematically like we did. R.A. Torrey would read a book ten times. So he'd read Genesis ten times before he ever went to Exodus, Leviticus, etc. Uh, read it, read it, read it, read it. Now, you understand, some of you who understand Christian history and, uh, in America, uh, D.O. Moody, a man that God used in a, in a wonderful way, uh, Ari Torrey uh, came and became uh, the leader of uh, the Bible college there, that Moody, Moody Bible Institute. He later on, I think in 1906, took over the uh, Moody Memorial Church. He later went out to Southern California and became uh, the leader for Biola. Um, but unbelievable, if you can pick up Torrey's books, and read Tory's books. There's some doctrinal issues. I wouldn't agree 100% with R.E. Tory, but what a great man of faith. R.E. Tory was preaching in a nationwide conference, and, a, and a, a pastor asked an honest question. He said, Brother Tory, you make the Word of God sound so intriguing, and you talk about all that you get out of the Word of God. And he said, the Word of God is a dust bowl to me. I can't get anything out of it the more that I study it and read it and pray it, and I just can't. He said, what advice would you give me? And here's what Ari Torrey said, read it. Read it. And he said, I do. He said, read it more and read it again and read it again and read it again. Read it, and then he said this, read every chapter and every book 12 times. As you read it, make notations in a notebook on what you've learned. Charles Spurgeon said this to his young preacher boys, Thou art a minister of the word. Mind thy business. Preachers are getting off on a lot of things today. We're getting off on uh, health and wellness and finance and all those things. And all those things are important. But what Spurgeon was saying is this, Thou art a minister of the word. Mind thy business. Warren Wearsby said this, What you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. What you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. I was thinking about this after having studied for tonight's lessons. And just as we were coming to church tonight, I remembered something that Kathy did for me even before we, we had just, I don't know, sweetheart, how long we had been dating. She combined a, a notebook when we were in Bible college still and presented to me, one of the greatest birthday gifts I ever got. She wrote a lot of time and a lot of effort, wrote to famous preachers all over the United States and said something, my husband is studying for ministry, would you write back and give him some words of advice? And this thing today is many of the, uh, of the preachers who wrote back uh, you have their books in your library. They're now in heaven. But I remember this, and I talk about him admirably. Uh, one of my heroes in the faith was Brother Lester Roloff. 
unbelievable man of God. I want to read you what Brother Roloff said. Listen to this. Dear Brother Rogers, congratulations on receiving the highest calling known to man, the preaching of the gospel of Christ. At least in a sense, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this was Brother Roloff, and if you knew Brother Roloff, this is who he was. The Bible is the emancipation proclamation for every soul that is chained in sin. And God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Therefore, my advice to you would be stay in the Bible and only the King James Version of the Bible. Memorize one chapter a month like Psalm 1, Psalm 8, Psalm 8. It just goes on. This big old list, Ephesians and Romans and John and Hebrews, and he lists all of the ones. And then he talks about abstaining from all appearances of evil. Uh, for one thing means do not ever let a television set in your home. Oh, in your house, and do not listen to the wrong kind of music. Both words and tune must be acceptable to God. The Hebrew children refused to listen to all kinds of music. My closing admonition, brother, would be found in the words of the Apostle Paul to his young preacher boy, Timothy. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And, and if those of you who know Brother Roloff's fight, here's what he said. For eight long years, the state tried to close the season, be instant in season, out of season. But we keep shooting, and the Lord keeps giving us deliverance. And then there was a little, it couldn't all fit on one page. He puts on the other side, watch and witness for souls, and don't backslide. Here's a, I, I grinned when he said this. Don't backslide in an air-conditioned office and wind up counseling uh, be a, a counseling uh, psychiatrist. Do your counseling from the pulpit. Good advice. Keep thyself pure and keep the love of God in your heart. And I, I, I don't. I wish I could read others. Other pastors had the same uh, had the same idea. Bind yourself to the Word of God. And so we want to look at that tonight. I want you to look at this. Before we go on, last week we studied about prayer. And this is just something that was on my heart in my own personal devotions today. Don't raise your hand. And some may be so intimate you can't really share with anybody. Is there anybody in here in church tonight? Last week we talked about prayer and, and prayer is talking to God and asking and receiving from God. We talked about the different manners and methods of prayer. Now let me ask you this tonight. Is there anyone here that you've been asking God for something and God has not yet brought that to you? Okay, now let me say something to you. There's just a word. It came out of, it's not our lesson tonight, but we're going back and review over last week. In my own Bible study today, do you remember the story? I think it's in two, maybe three of the Gospels where the disciples tried to heal uh, a young man whose father brought them to the disciples. He had a uh, he had a demon, and the disciples could not deliver that young man. So the man took his son to Jesus, and Jesus healed him. Do you remember what Jesus said? Then the disciples said, why couldn't we heal him? Remember what the Lord said? He said, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Can I say this to you? This is true in my own life. May I encourage you? If you're praying for something and it's dear to your heart and you've not yet let you've seen God work, 
consider adding fasting to your praying? There are, I'm going to make this statement. There are some prayers that will never be answered until we fast and pray. And now I understand this health related. I know some of it, there's different methods and ways to fast. Uh, but if you remember, in our first study, we saw that God's word is infallible. Somebody tell me what infallible is. Perfect. Without error. Okay? Perfect without error. Can I say this to you? Write this in your side notes. The Bible does not contain the truth. The Bible is the truth. Rat poison is 92% cornmeal. It contains cornmeal. But 2% is arsenic. And, and so the Bible doesn't contain the truth. The Bible is the truth. In our first study, we saw that God's Word is infallible and unchanging. It was written by God through human authors and has been preserved for us. Do you believe that? You believe that? I believe that. You have in your hands a perfect copy of the Word of God preserved for you, inspired and preserved. Uh, we believe that. Uh, we believe that to be true. All right? God's Word is not only true, it is life-changing. Can I say this to you? The Bible is the only book you can put in your hands that's 100% true. Go to the library, go to the li Library of Congress, go to our library, get any book on the shelf. Every one of them contain error. Written by well-meaning people. This is the only book you and I can put in our hands and have assurance that it's 100% true. Satan's greatest attack has always been on the Word of God. Go back with me in Genesis chapter number 3. You remember when Eve came to the tree and Satan got her to look at the fruit? What did he say? What was the question that he put in her mind? Huh? Hath God said? Can I say this to you? Whether it's a pastor on the television or in a book you're reading or from a pulpit, if a pastor cast a cloud of doubt on or a anybody cast a cloud of doubt on the word of God, listen for the hiss of the serpent. That's Satan's number one goal, to make us doubt the word of God. A major role as a pastor, Brother Stephen or Brother Rogers or Brother Bliss in the auditorium Bible class, Brother Colin, Brother Lou in the RU ministries. And if you have a role of teaching and preaching in this church or any other church. A role that we have is to help and rightly divide the word of truth and to apply biblical principles to every aspect of daily living. In Bible counseling, I, if I'm going to do Bible counseling, if it's marital counseling, I've got to see what the Bible says and apply it. Is that true? Now watch what happens. Over 90% of all the Christian books on marriage that you can put, I've got them in my library. They come from a psychological or a man-based. Now, some of these are Christian men, so they mix the study of the Word of God and psychology together. And I'm not saying there's, there's anything wrong, but I'm saying this. Of those two, the Bible should always be premier. 
So let's look at this if we can. Uh, God's Word, Lesson 6, God's Word meets your needs. Here's the first blank to fill in. You can look to the screen if we miss some of these. The Bible is profitable for your life. Look in your Bible, if you would please, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is one of the verses that uh, Brother Roloff was talking about in his admonition to me as a young pastor. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Now, I want you to look at this for a very specific reason. Back up to verse number 15. And that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures. Mom and dad, teach the Bible to your kids. Don't let the television be the babysitter for your kids. You know what? We go on a, we go on a trip. My kids grew up with Ron Hamilton and Patch the Pirate. They could sing that the stupidest. We would go all the way out to California. We'd listen to this. Oh, Mississippi Slipper or whatever it was going down. I'm just, oh, can we get off of that thing for a while? But he would put on these fun and stories and back it up with the Word of God. And, and you know what? Those boys and girls learned the Word of God through. So parents, be careful with this. And that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Some Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I read this every week as I study for the messages. Good men, I'm not going to mention their names, but it would surprise you to know the men that the other, uh, last week I was, uh, for some reason, a godly man of old came to my mind and I looked on the internet and looked at what he had to say about what I was going to teach or preach on. And this man, I've never went to his church. I've got some of his books in my library. And he said something like this. He said, in the better manuscripts, this is omitted or should be omitted. What does the Bible say there? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now look in your notes very quickly. Break down those words that Paul told Timothy about doctrine. Teaches us what to believe. I like to say it this way. Doctrine is what is right. Reproof, what is wrong. Correction, how to make the wrong right. Instruction, how to stay on the right path. All right? Every one of us, for every, each and every one of us, for a Christian who wants to build their life upon the foundation of truth, Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction are vital, right? Number two, the Bible nourishes your spiritual growth. Just as a baby, this is 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Now watch what it says. Just as a baby will not grow without milk, so a Christian will not grow without taking in God's word. I'm going to say this to you. We've told you this a million times. I don't care who the pastor is. I don't care who the Sunday school teacher is. You come to this church and you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night, and you will starve to death if that's all the spiritual nourishment you get. You've got to get, I've got to get in the Word of God on a daily basis outside of church. Page 121. Lastly, growing in Christian life can only come through the transforming power of God's Word. 
Let's look now at how we can make God's Word a part of our regular routines of life. Leave a marker there. I forgot about a very important announcement. At the end of the service tonight, I want you to take part of this. I hope you believe that we should be involved with this. Some, some do not. We've got going through our legislature right now some, some legislation that will be horrible for our state. And it has to do with sex education. They're going to teach uh, gay and lesbian lifestyle and that type of thing. And abstinence cannot be taught. It's going through our, our, our legislature right now. At the end of the service, there's going to be a link on the, on the screen. Please write it down and get in contact with our local representatives and let them know how you feel about that. I hope you feel very strongly as I do. God's Word should be in your routines. For the Word of God to impact you personally, you must encounter it regularly. In other words, it must be a part of daily living. There's several ways we can do this. Watch this. Here's a blank. Read it daily. Read it daily. Every day. Get whatever. We have them where we go through, I think, striving together. If you need one, we'll give you one. You can put it in your Bible. We hand them out at the first of the year. You can go through there. Do you know that you can read through the Word of God every bit? At, at pulpit-style reading, 20 minutes a day, you can read through the Word of God before the year is over. Every one of us can do that. So read it daily. One of the best habits you can develop to help your spiritual growth is to set aside uh, daily time to read the Word of God. Set a time and place. Follow a Bible reading plan. Ask God to guide you before you read. Ask questions about what you read. I love this. I love new Christians. Uh, I love this. Even Sunday in the little class that my wife and I have, we're, we're going through a manual just like it. One of the men in there asked a question. I love that. Preacher, help me with this. I've got some questions about, somebody said it this way, the active mind is the questioning mind. As I go through my Bible, I don't go through the Bible looking for a message or a sermon for you. I go because I have needs, and I want God to touch my heart. But many times as I read that, the Word of God, I begin to question. Then keep a journal or a notebook, uh, and we talked about that last week. Page 122, hear it consistently. Hear it. Who can quote Romans 10, 17 for me? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Okay, what's the next text there? Uh, Hebrews 10, 25, I'll start it. Let's say it together. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. Where am I going to hear the word of preacher? I've got a, I've got a TV pastor. No, you don't. That's right. Come on. No, you don't. You might give to him. Hey, listen, when your loved one gets cancer, call him and see if he'll come and visit your loved one. That's right. When your marriage is falling apart, call, call him and see if they'll come and, and counsel you on marriage. They won't do it. They'll take your money. Yep. I'm not saying they're bad men, uh, but I'm saying this. Don't call them your pastor. That's right. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but what are we supposed to do? Exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. All right? Then meditate on it continually. Who can speak? Who can talk about Joshua 1.8? Let me start it. See if you can finish it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
But what shall I do? Thou shalt meditate on it day and night, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have... Now, this is not in the notes. Brother Chapel didn't put it in there. He didn't, he didn't seek my counsel before he wrote them. Let me give you a little, little uh, equation for Joshua 1.8. Are you ready about it? This will help you. Read it. Read about it. Talk about it. Act upon it. All right, I'm going to say this again. Read about it. Talk about it. Act upon it. Have you quoted the Bible to anybody this week? I'm serious. I did to a Dunkin' Donut clerk. Said, you know what the Bible says? And oh no. You can tell me what the Bible says. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what the Bible says. Read about it, talk about it, act upon it. That's Joshua chapter one, verse number eight. All right? Psalm twelve, Psalm one. Look look at this together, if you would please. This is a great psalm. This is a psalm as we commit scripture to memory. This is a wonderful psalm to commit to memory. Psalm 1, 1, we studied for several weeks. Blessed, happy, prosperous is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now watch this. But his delight is in the... I did something, Brother Andrew and Sydney. I did, I've never done. Okay, don't tell my... Well, she's here. Had little Michael with me. We were grandpa, grandson time last night. And we made an excuse to come into town. Had to go to the hardware store and, and build in something for a cabinet here for the church. Hey, Michael, you want to jump in with Grandpa? We got to go get a widget. Really, we don't need a widget. What we need is, I had a hankering for ice cream. Oh, and I said, Michael, do you bring any money? You can buy Grandpa an ice cream. Yeah. How much? It's in your wallet, Grandpa. <laughs> Never done this, Miss Sydney. Never have. I've never eaten, to my knowledge, I've never eaten Chick fil A ice cream. So we drove through the drive thru, and that's another thing I don't, I don't go through the drive thru. And we got us two little small cones, and Grandpa and Grandson were in hog heaven. Huh? Right, Michael? Hog heaven. We had ice cream all over us, and I'm just thinking, Lord, I don't know if it's possible to enjoy something more than I'm enjoying this cone. You think about, I'm delighting in it. I think I'll go back for one tonight. All right? You think about that. Delight in it. Do you look forward to your time in the Word of God? All right? Now, think about that. Uh, if you would, for instance, if you're struggling. Now, think about this. Go with me. Ephesians 6, the Christian armor. We're not going to go all the armament. That's not in your notes. Above all, he talks about all the armor, sword of the Spirit. Helmet of salvation, feet shod with preparation of the gospel of, of peace, breastplate of righteousness. And then he goes through all the armor, and he says, above all, what? The shield of faith. Why above all? Here's why. You can read the Bible, you can memorize the Bible, and Satan doesn't worry about that at all until you act upon it. Here's what the shield of faith does. If you are struggling with an area in your life that's not yet in direct obedience to God, find the verse or verses in the Bible that deal with that subject, put them on a three-by-five card, and commit them to memory. And ask God for the ability 
to live those out. Martin Luther did this. Billy Sunday did. I was watching something the other night. I don't know why I got off on this. On Saint Val on Valentine's Day, I studied. I got on the iPad and I looked at the Saint Valentine's Day massacre. I don't know why I did that. Just a little bit warped. But then one thing led to another, and it was talking about all of the gang warfare that was happening in America around that same time. And one of these people put in what brought Al Capone down. I never heard this, Brother Bliss. Do you know historians what they say, one of the leading things they think brought Al Capone down? Billy Sunday. Because Billy Sunday was a fireball preacher that would go, and he preached against alcohol. All men he preached against alcohol. And people begin to get saved. And he'd have, he'd have time where they'd have a place where they would bring their liquor and just dump it in a big vat and empty it out. Billy Sunday, you know what? Don't you think America should do this again? Billy Sunday, if Billy Sunday came into Pueblo, now watch this. The steel mill, the, the DOS aviation, the, the big plants would say, we're shutting down. You're going to Billy Sunday Revival. Because they knew they'd have a better worker when they'd get. But Billy Sunday preached so hard uh, against that. And many people looked at that and they realized I'm struggling with alcohol. And watch this. And they, they learned. And Billy Sunday taught them the word of God that it had to deal with their addiction. And let me say, Brother Lou, Brother Donald, is Brother Danny outside? Yes. Brother Danny outside? Is he listening to me? Yes. All right, Brother Danny. There's nobody in this church as big a blessing as are you folks. They're really not. You think about, watch this, but I promise you, you say, preacher, what kind of magic works in these folks' life? I'm going to tell you this, right here. Am I right, Brother Lou? Come sometime and look. I do this when Brother Lou sets up on Friday, and I walk past, and right here are those ten principles. I got stuck, I think, on one of them this week. If God's against it, so am I. That's a good principle, isn't it? The shield of faith. How does so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Write those things down if you would. Let's go quickly uh, if we can. Look at page number 123. We're on. 23. Oh, we did hear it consistently. Did we give you that? All right. Meditate on it continually. We gave you that. Page 123. Study it regularly. Don't study the Bible as a science book. Think about this. In addition to your regular Bible reading, church attendance, and Bible memory, you'll come across times in your life, areas of confusion, where you need to know what the Bible says about a particular topic or truth. Study the Word of God to find out. All right? Look at this. Apply it faithfully. You'll see right below that, James 1, 22 through 25, talks about a double-minded man being unstable in all his ways and talks about this. Uh, it, it talks about somebody who hears the word but doesn't do the word. And he says, the blessings of God come when we hear the word and do the word. So here's the last blank there on page 123. So hear it, read it, hear it, memorize it, meditate on it, and study it. But don't neglect to obey it. Don't neglect to obey it. 
Romans 12, 2, it's mentioned there. Uh, I'll start in verse number 1. Quote it with me if you can. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable in God, which is reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be what? Now watch this. How am I transformed? By the renewing of your mind that you may. Now, so he talks about that, and that's through the word of God. Look at page number 124. We'll go quickly. God's plan for our, your, our transformation as Christians is that we would come from the inside out and that our minds are renewed by the truths of the Word of God. Those truths would then impact our actions and change our lives. I spent about 45 minutes on the phone today and with one of the young men that surrendered under our ministry to the ministry. He's a godly young man, a faithful young man, a wise young man. I sensed in his voice that he was struggling a little bit. I said, brother, how you doing? He said, preacher, it's been the roughest two years of ministry. I said, I understand. He said, you're not thinking about quitting, are you? A little bit of a stall. And he said, no. I said, good, because you can't. We'll come look you up, drag you back. You're not quitting. Did Jeremiah want to quit? Listen to what Jeremiah said, and don't, I don't want to scare you. I love you to death, and it's a wonderful honor and privilege to come and be your pastor. But there are some times that I feel just like Jeremiah felt. Oh, that I might be a lodging place for wayfaring men. What was Jeremiah saying? I'm going to open up an Airbnb in the desert. That's what Jeremiah wanted to do. But God called him to be a prophet. But he was running. He got, he got busy and he looked as he was a prophet. They didn't want to hear the message. We talked about that on Sunday. And they rebelled against it. And so Jeremiah just got to the place. I'm, I'm through with it. I just want to go open up a motel someplace. Can anybody tell me when Jeremiah started to do that, what brought him back? He said this. He said the words were like fire. He said in another place, thy words were like honey. I did eat them. But then he said they were like a fire in my bones. The word of God that Jeremiah was preaching and teaching got him back in the pulpit. And can I say this to you? There are going to be some times when you think as a child of God, you're down. And I can't take the next step. And I promise you, the word of God is what's going to keep you faithful to God. From the inside out, God's word is so much a part of our lives, particularly thinking, our thinking, that it's like a branch engrafted into a tree. There are many ways that God's word can transform our lives, but notice three in particular. Number one, here's how it transform. Understanding the Bible increases your knowledge of God. And can I say this to you? For those of you men who teach and preach here, for pastor included, this is our role. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here. Now, I pray I comfort you, but, and the message is comfort you. And Brother Roloff is right. Let your counseling be done through the pulpit. My job as a pastor is to help you to understand the Word of God so you can apply it to your daily life. So we understand it. Number two, look at this. Obeying the Bible produces Christ-like maturity. 
When you become a Christian, you are born again into the family of God. From that point forward, God desires for you to be on a path of spiritual maturity, becoming more and more like Jesus. Number three, continued use of the Bible produces spiritual discernment. Understanding, obeying, continually using, page 125. As you continue to read, study, meditate on, and obey God's Word, your ability to apply it to specific life situations and, and to discern right from wrong in sensitive areas of your life will develop. My wife and I were having a little conversation before church tonight. My dad was a lover of good men. My dad was a lover of good men. He really did. He invested heavily in a lot of those men. We were talking about one of those men, a good man. And, but my wife and I were talking a little bit about what is our dedication to that man from this point forward. And God reminded me of a verse in the book of Proverbs that a wise man will remember his father's friends. And I said, sweetheart, the scriptures tell us that, that God would want me to remember the friends of my father's. So you look at this and you think about that. Um, look at Hebrews. Uh, um, the Hebrews is mentioned there. Can, I, can you put this out there some, somewhere on the margin or underneath, underneath, be above application? Can I give you something that'll that help me? I think it'll help you. The Bible is the tool the Holy Spirit uses. The Bible's the tool the Holy Spirit uses to bring about conviction and change in the life of a believer. The Bible is the tool the Holy Spirit uses to bring about conviction and change in the life of the believer. Preacher, you got to talk to my husband. He needs to change. Can I tell you something? Do you know that only God can change a heart? I can't change a heart. But I can tell you this, if I can get husband in the office and I say, brother, I know you guys are struggling a little bit in your marriage. Can I give you just a minute and, and give him counsel from the word of God? The Bible is a tool the Holy Spirit uses to bring about conviction and change in the life of a believer. How about, how about Christian history? Even though he's not in our vein, God used him to light the fires of the Reformation Martin Luther was studying for the priesthood. What changed Martin Luther? What verse? Anybody know? Somebody tell me, Brother Stephen. Which is what? The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And Martin Luther was learning about penance and confession and all these things he was supposed to be teaching. And the word of God, that verse, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And watch it. And the fire of the Holy Spirit of God touched that man and he went to the, to the door of the church in Edinburgh, Germany and he put the 95 thesis on 95, wasn't it on the wall there? And lit the wall, lit the fire of reformation. One verse. The just shall live by faith. So you look at this, the Bible is a tool the Holy Spirit will use to bring about conviction and change. Always remember, here's a blank to fill in, that the goal of reading, studying, memorizing God's Word is not merely knowledge, it is transformation. 
I ask you this tonight. Is there a hunger in your heart to be more like Jesus? I look at my life and been saved for many years, and, and yet there's some areas of my life I'm not a whole lot like the Lord. But I can tell you this, I want to be, and I pray you do as well. So here's the application. Set a regular time for your reading of the Word of God. Now watch this. You fill this in. My daily time to read God's Word is put it down there. Develop a habit of applying God's Word. Now, something I think I want to do from this week forward in any, every lesson. Would you turn together? We quoted it, 1 Peter 2. We're going to close for tonight, 1 Peter 2. Every week, let's do this together. All right? And here's what we'll do. Brother Stephen, help us with this. We'll get a... We'll get a little nummy nummy card or something. Some just something, a cup of coffee card or something like that. Just something to say, add a boy, add a girl. Next week we're gonna come back and we're gonna say, who learned the memory verse from last week? And if you can stand and say it, uh, just one each week, we'll give you a little something. All right? Here's the verse. Let's memorize this verse. Next week, 1 Peter chapter 2, and each and every week we'll take a, a Bible memory verse and, and memorize it together. Let's say it together, 1 Peter 2, 2, this will be our verse to memorize this week. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Can we memorize it together? That's easy. Most of you have it memorized by the time you go home tonight. Let me finish you with a little poem I read uh, this week that blessed my heart. Who's been saved here the longest? How long? Anybody here been saved over 50 years? Brother, Brother Lou, Brother Miss Sharon, Brother Wally? How long, Brother Wally? 69. Anybody been saved longer than that here? Bro, you're not even 69 years old, Brother Lou. How long have you been saved? 1966. I'm 35. Oh, so you're not even close. All right. But watch this. No matter how long you've been saved, as I read this poem, tell me if this is not true because it's true with me. My pail I often am dropping deep down into this well. I've never touched the bottom, however deep it fell. And though I keep on dipping by study, faith, and prayer, I have no power to measure the living water that's there. Tomorrow, dip that pail down into the down into the Word of God. Now, right now, part of my reading is Leviticus. How many just look forward to Leviticus? You do, Brother Bliss? Oh, boy. You probably do too, Brother Colin. I can get something out of Leviticus. But that's part of my reading. The other part of the reading is Mark and then also in the Psalms. But Leviticus is a lot about, I just... Mr. Nadab and Abihu was part of the study today. You know, and God tells me, preacher, be careful of that strange fire. I just, this, today, tomorrow, Lord willing, I'll do the same thing. Just dip that pail once again. I pull it up, and you know what? I cannot read any place in the Bible that I have not read multiple times. And yet, every time I drop that pail... And I bring it up. There's something that refreshes me. And I pray that that's with you too. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the study of your word. And Lord, thank you. True it is that 
faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Father, I thank you for the men and women of our faith that, that bled and died and gave their life that we could have our Bible that we hold tonight. May we never take it for granted. Father, I pray that you would convict us that each and every day of our life that will be in your word. But not only will we read it, but we'll study it, we'll obey it, we'll memorize it, and let its work transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. I pray that you dismiss us with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.